Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. For example, a little annoyance, if not dealt with, can turn and does turn into seething anger. You think about that. You mull it over in your mind. They said something to me. They hurt me. And it develops into now anger and malice. And and all of a sudden you find, I'm not going to forgive that person. In fact, I'm going to punish that person. I won't talk to that person anymore. I'll change ministries. I'll avoid them in the hallway. I'll not be very kind to them. That's what we're talking about. But it started off with a little sin of of just, well, I was a little hurt. Or a little lust can become an adulterous affair or a habit of pornography. It's just a little lust, and yet it can develop into something quite serious. It is amazing how such seemingly little sins can snowball, but they do. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is helping us with a detailed examination of the parts of the spiritual armor God made available to us in Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily radio Bible classes are a development that grew out of Pastor Steve's expository or verse-by-verse teaching ministry at Lakeside. Over the past few weeks, we covered the reasons why it is so important for the Christian to wear the armor of God, and we have dealt with three of the parts of that armor, what they are, what they do, and how to put them on. Now, after a very brief review of his previous material, Pastor Steve is going to introduce us to the shield of faith. This may be the part of the armor of God that many Bible teachers most emphasize. Every piece of armor is essential. So why is this one featured so prominently, and is that prominence deserved? Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 and see what God's Word has to say. This morning we continue our study once again on spiritual warfare and specifically the the armor of God. We have been using Ephesians chapter 6 as our springboard, our basis of our study, our foundation, and we've discovered many wonderful, significant truths about our battles with the devil. But I think the, the most significant, the most important truth that comes out of Ephesians 6 is that we are never to under, underestimate the power and cunning wickedness of our enemy. You see, if we don't understand how strong he is and how weak we are, then we'll never take the, uh, the armor of God. And that's the point of these verses. I'd like you to turn there to Ephesians chapter 6 and just stay there. We're going to be getting into our text. But I want you to know that, that Satan is powerful. He is shrewd. He is a liar. He is a murderer, the Bible tells us. He is deceitful. And his ultimate goal is to devour you spiritually. He wants to make you ineffective, impotent, and 
not only is that his desire, but he is quite capable of this, and he is extremely experienced in doing this. Charles Spurgeon had this to say about the devil's experience and past success in affecting the lives of some people. He wrote, and I quote, he is more cunning than the wisest. How soon he entangled Solomon. He is stronger than the strongest. He fatally overthrew Samson. Yes, and men after God's own heart, like David, have been been led into most grievous sin by his seduction, end of quote. So if Satan can defeat the wisest, the strongest, the godliest of Old Testament saints, and certainly you and I are no match for him, we're, we're no match for him. And that's why Paul's emphasis in Ephesians 6 is on taking up the whole armor of God because that's the way we'll, we'll be protected. In and of ourselves, we're weak and we're defenseless. Now, just let's go through this again and notice the weight that Paul puts upon trying to persuade us that uh, we're weak and Satan's powerful. In verse 10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. What he's saying is you have no strength in and of yourself. Your strength has to be in the Lord. Your power has to come from God. In verse 11, he says this, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Here he begins to introduce how powerful our enemy is. He has schemes, that is to say, as strategies. He has a whole methodology mapped out just for you. How wicked is he? He develops it even further in verse 12. For our, str- for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Why does he say that? Because if it were against flesh and blood, then you and I would know how to deal with it. This is not on a human level. This is on a spiritual level. So he tells us, but, but, but our struggles against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, it is demonic warfare. It is of another nature, not a human physical nature. We are battling evil spirit beings known in the Bible as demons headed up by their leader, Satan. Therefore, we need spiritual armor in order to resist their attacks. And that's why, folks, beginning in verse 14, Paul begins to tell us about six pieces of of armor that God has provided for us. He'll add prayer to this, but what he's doing is he's using the physical armor worn by a literal Roman soldier of his day, and Paul translates each piece of that armor into a spiritual lesson for us. In other words, he's telling us, you have spiritual armor. Just like the Roman soldier had uh, physical armor, you have spiritual armor. Now, we've already studied three of these pieces of armor, and we've discovered the first thing that we're to do in getting dressed for battle is we're to put on the belt of truth. He says that in verse 14. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put around us truth. That is to say that, that the very first thing we do, the first step in preparing for battle before anything else is a firm grasp of the word of God. That's the truth, because Satan is a liar. You will never stand against his lies unless you are equipped with God's truth. And that means there must be a commitment to that truth. There must be a a mastering of the truth. We must be mastered by the truth. We are men and women of the book, of the truth. So we put put our belt on. We wrap ourselves around with the truth. And once the belt of truth is fastened around us, we are then to put on our breastplate, which he tells us in verse 14 is practical righteousness. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is practical daily obedience to the word of God. 
And I think the, the, the point here is that what protects our affections, what protects our emotions, our hearts from being lured away from loyalty to Christ is righteousness, daily obedience to the word of God. I, I can't overemphasize this. Nothing will protect you more from Satan trying to lure your affections away from Christ than daily disciplined obedience to the word of God. And this is where so many of us fail. And I'll tell you why we fail. We're not very careful when it comes to little, what we call little sins, little wrong responses to what people say to us, criticism, uh, things happening to us. They seem so insignificant at the time, but they can potentially turn into debilitating sins if they're not confessed and repented of. And let me tell you what I, what I mean. For example, a little annoyance, if not dealt with, can turn and does turn into seething anger. You think about that. You mull it over in your mind. They said something to me. They hurt me. And it develops into now anger and malice. And, and all of a sudden you find, I'm not going to forgive that person. In fact, I'm going to punish that person. I won't talk to that person anymore. I'll change ministries. I'll avoid them in the hallway. I'll not be very kind to them. That's what we're talking about. But it started off with a little sin of, of just, well, I was a little hurt. Or a little lust can become an adulterous affair or a habit of pornography. It's just a little lust, and yet it can develop into something quite serious. Or a little anxiety over something can eventually develop and grow into a major issue of worry and fear. So the scripture tells us to guard our hearts by a commitment to daily and consistent obedience to scripture. Don't think it's just a little insignificant sin. The breastplate of righteousness is very important. So now we have our belt on. We have our breastplate on. Paul now tells us to bend down, take care of your feet. He tells us in verse 15, having shod your feet, which means fitted your feet, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our feet need to be stable. They need to be firm so that we're not pushed around, so that we're we're not thrown down. And the great truth that brings stability to our lives, firmness and stability and, and that steadfastness is the truth that we're at peace with God. Once God was angry at us, once we were his enemies, but that's in the past. Once you came to Christ, you've been reconciled through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Your sins have been forgiven. You're no longer hostile towards God. He's no longer angry at you. In fact, he's not only your savior, he's your friend. He's your advocate. And not only that, but you have a relationship. You're his child. And God is your loving father. So even in times of great stress, we're at peace. We know that all things are working together for our good. God is not against us. He has our best interests at heart. And you see, this understanding of being at peace with God is what gives great personal, experiential peace and calmness of soul as we face the pressures of life. You can go into any battle if you know that you have peace with God and you have peace, the peace of God. So you're now dressed with three pieces of armor. And you might think you're ready because you've got God's truth. You've got a commitment to obey that truth. You've got knowledge that uh, you're at peace with God. But according to Paul, you are still not dressed and ready fully to go into battle. There's some things that are missing because Paul tells us we're to put on the whole or complete armor of God and a belt, breastplate and shoes as important as they are, are still an incomplete wardrobe for battle. So Paul tells us about another vital piece of armor that is necessary for war. It is the shield of faith. 
Verse 16, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, we're going to delve into this and we're going to analyze this verse and we're going to figure out what Paul means and how it applies to us. But first, I want you to notice something about the way that Paul presents this material. It indicates that it's different. It's distinct from any of the other pieces of armor that we've already seen. This is different. I want you to pay attention. It's very easy to overlook this, but it's important. Notice the way Paul words verse 16. He says, in addition to all, or if you have a King James Version, you'll see it says, above all. In addition to all or above all. Now, what does he mean by that? There is a tendency on the part of some to interpret Paul as saying that the shield of faith is the most important piece of armor, especially if they have a, and following a King James Version, above all. And so they would interpret this to mean above everything else in importance, we have the shield of faith that is the most important thing. But that's not what Paul is saying. That's, that's not his point here. He's not saying above everything else of importance is the shield. No, his point is this. It's literally in addition to the three parts of armor that I have already mentioned, also take up the shield of faith. And he'll mention in verse uh, 17, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. In other words, the expression in addition to all simply means on top of everything else I've already mentioned, you need the shield as well as the helmet and the sword. Now, what this indicates, and follow, follow me, what this indicates is that in the apostle's mind, there is a distinction to be made between the last three pieces of armor and the first three pieces of armor. You can see evidence of this by just the way Paul uh, presents this. Notice, follow, follow me. Notice he says, in addition to all, now watch this, he says, taking up the shield of faith. Verse 17, he instructs us to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. But that's not the way he presented the other three pieces of armor. Back in verses 14 and 15, we see that Paul has changed his wording. With the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes, he uses the expression having, not taking or take up. Having girded your loins with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But with the shield... With the helmet, with the sword, he tells us to take them up. And you say, big deal. That's, that's, that means nothing. No, that does mean a lot. There is a distinction. And I, and I think that the great Welsh expositor, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, really nailed it when he explained with these words what the distinction is. He'll explain the distinction, and then I'm going to clarify some things. But follow, follow the line of thinking. He, he wrote this. The first three portions of armor are parts that are fixed to the body by the special fastening so that they are immovable. But with the rest, the next three rather, there is an obvious difference. You do not fix a shield on your body. It's something separate from you. You take it up and use it, but it is not attached to your body. The same applies to the helmet, which was more like a cap that was put on the head and taken off quite easily. And the sword is clearly not a part of us, but a thing that we take up and use as the need arises. That shows why the apostle drops the term having and says taking you have these other pieces on always but you take up the shield and the sword and the helmet and put them on end of quote now let me explain why this is an important distinction and how it affects us spiritually a roman soldier would always be ready for battle by wearing the belt the breastplate and the shoes even while he was sitting down in the barracks 
and uh, just waiting to hear the alarm to go off to fight, he would keep these items on. He was always ready for battle with the first three items. But when the alarm was given, when the horn was blown, and he knew that the enemy was attacking, he would get up and he would take hold. He would grab hold of his shield, his helmet, and sword and charge into battle. Now, let's apply this. What's the point here? What Paul is doing is using, by using the, the word take up instead of having, he's telling us that you are always to have on you an attitude of, of truth in, in faith in God's word in terms of, of looking at God from life's perspective. We are always to have a righteous uh, obedience to scripture. And we are always to stand on the knowledge that we are at peace with God because you, you never know when Satan is going to attack. So you always have that on you. These are ongoing protective items for all occasions, never to be taken off. As I said, you never know when Satan's going to attack. When you get up in the morning, this should be your attitude. But when you come under heavy attack, those special times in life where you feel really oppressed, and the battle is thick and it's raging and Satan's arrows are flying at you with specific assaults, then you need that extra protection. Then you better grab hold of your shield, your helmet, your sword, because you're going to need that extra protective gear for these heavy battles. So you see what he's saying? The first three items always be prepared with that. But these next items are extra protective gear for you. And the first uh, extra item that Paul mentions is the shield of faith, the shield of faith. When life is intense and you're going through very difficult times and they are of a satanic nature, that's when you need your shield. That's when you need your shield. So what does this mean? Well, just as we looked at the other items of warfare by asking several questions, we're going to ask two questions this morning to arrive at the meaning and application of this shield of faith. The first question that helps us to understand the meaning of the shield of faith is this. What was the function of a Roman soldier's shield? You and I are thousands of years removed from the Roman battlefield We need to understand the culture. We need to understand how this functioned in their day. Paul didn't need to explain it to the Ephesians. That was their culture, but it's not ours. So normally when we think of ancient shields, we think of small, lightweight uh, shields held by the left hand while the right hand had a sword in them. And if that's your imagery, then you've probably have watched one too many gladiator movies because that is precisely what gladiators used in their battles, these light uh, shields. But that is not what a Roman soldier used. That is not the shield that he used for a battle. The kind of shield that Paul is referring to that Roman soldiers used were huge, large shields. They they were really known as door shields. They were more like a door than a little little, uh, gladiator's shield. They were two and a half feet wide and about four and a half feet high. And the reason they were like doors is so that the soldier could crouch behind, behind this the shield with his body. He'd crouch low as he faced the enemy. Here's how one Bible teacher explained the function of a Roman soldier shield. He wrote this, the soldiers who carried these shields were in the front lines of battle and normally stood side by side with their shields together, forming a huge phalanx extending as long as a mile or more. The archers stood behind this protective wall of shields and shot their arrows as they advanced against the enemy. 
Anyone who stood or crouched behind such shields was protected from the barrage of enemy arrows and spears. I think that paints a picture for you. I think you can see the great protection that they had. They would stand together and uh, it was really impenetrable. Now that was very important. You, you didn't, if you were a Roman soldier, you didn't want to be hit by an arrow. I mean, nobody ever wants to be hit by an arrow, but especially back then, because those arrows that, that they used in battle, they were first dipped in pitch, and then they were lit, and they were fired so that they were really flaming missiles. It was not just an arrow. It was an arrow on fire, and upon impact, those fiery arrows would burst into more flames, and if they hit a soldier's body, obviously more than, than hurt the soldier, it would render him inactive, and then the enemy could pounce upon him in hand-to-hand combat and kill him. So to protect themselves from these flaming darts, Roman soldiers used these large door-like shields, which consisted of two layers of laminated wood covered with linen and hide, and then bound top and bottom with iron. Often the leather on the shield would be soaked in water so that when a flaming arrow would strike it, it would either be deflected or it would be extinguished. Now that's the picture that Paul is, is uh, using to convey to us a spiritual truth. From this picture of a Roman soldier's shield of protection, Paul is illustrating a very simple but critical truth for us. God has provided us with a shield. It's not made of leather. It's not made of wood. It doesn't have iron on it. But we have a shield, and it's called faith. It's called faith. And we need to understand what he means by that. And that, So that leads us to a second question to help us to understand the shield of faith, and it's this. How does faith protect us from Satan's assaults. I think this is a very important subject because there are many people today who have a gross misunderstanding of faith. To them, faith is a blind leap in the dark. And there are many believers today who have a a terrible misunderstanding of faith. That's why you hear people say, well, um, you know what? You you, uh, had a friend who died and didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith to believe. Or they didn't have enough faith. And, and so you have some very, very horrible perspectives on faith. We want to see what the Bible teaches about faith. What does Paul mean by the shield of faith? Now, in order to understand the role that faith plays in protecting us from the devil, it's important to first know what type of assaults we need protection from, right? In other words, what, what are these arrows that the devil throws at us? What are his fiery darts, his fiery arrows of the evil one? Well, you know what? Paul doesn't tell us what they are. He does not specifically identify any of the fiery arrows that Satan throws at us, but that does not mean that he doesn't tell us uh, their nature, what they were like. Notice that he, he does not simply say that these are the flaming arrows of the devil. Do you note that? He says they're the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, why does he say evil one? Because he is identifying the fact that uh, Satan, who is behind these arrows, who throws them, is wicked, and therefore the intent of these arrows is wicked. They are wicked arrows of temptation. Temptation, that's what he's talking about. He attacks with the goal of luring us into sin. He is the source of of evil. He's the epitome of evil. These arrows are intended to accomplish evil in our lives. They, they can be nothing other than temptation to sin. Being tempted, of course, is not the same as sin. It's when we give in to temptation that we have sinned. But that's a topic for our next class. It was wonderful to have you in class today. 
You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We at Verse by Verse Ministries have the pleasure of making his practical, expository messages into radio-sized portions so that the listeners of this radio station can profit from them as well as the people of Lakeside. We are a faith ministry supported through the prayers and gifts of listeners like you who, we hope, are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's class again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. Today's class is available there along with many previous ones. We also offer a free podcasting service and a complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the start of a three-part message. You can order a CD or a cassette and listen to it all at once by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. We know that if we take up the shield of faith, it will protect us from temptation. But what really is the shield of faith? There are many misconceptions about faith. And to make matters even more confusing, the Bible talks about the word faith in a couple of different ways. We will dig into that more on the next Verse by Verse. I'm Peter Silseth, and I hope that you will join us. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We're here to give you strength between.